right, so last week we kicked off a series, and it's called Built to Last. And uh, so today we're on part two, and basically what we began with was the scriptures out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, just kind of to open things up. I'll give you a recap if you weren't here, but you can listen to it on podcast. Is that Paul says to Timothy in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, He's, he's basically reaching the end of his life. He knows that it's, it's, it's coming. It's uh, apparent to him that he's at the end of his days. And he just he sort of summarizes by saying, I have fought the good fight. I've ran the race. And I've finished strong. And I just have always been, uh, you know, just really moved by these scriptures. Because what it shows me is that here's a man at the end of his life who could really honestly say before the Lord, I gave it all I had. He's not saying he was perfect by any means, but he's saying, I laid it all out there. I gave everything that I could give, and I could say that I have finished strong. And I feel like as believers, as people that love Jesus, we want to be able to say the same thing, don't we? When we reach the end of our days here on this earth, thank God there's eternity afterwards, but we want to say at the end, Man, we have finished strong. We've ran our race. We've made a difference. We've been game changers in this world because of the life that we've lived. And so when we look at how we get to that place where we get to the point where we could say, I finished strong, I've ran my race, and I, I've ran it as if to win, Paul says, right? Not just, to, not just to run, but actually ran to win the thing. And so how do we say that? Well, we talked a lot about last week how it starts with building being built upon the right foundation. There's the parable in Matthew chapter 7 where he talks about the parable of the wise builder and the foolish builder and how the wise builder built his house on the rock so that when the storms came and the wind came and everything came, the house stood strong. But the foolish man, he builds his house on the sand. And so when the storm comes, the sand can't hold anything up. And really our rock, our foundation is Christ, right? When we receive Christ, we receive him for all of who he is. It's kind of like when Jesus asks Peter, he says, well, never mind who everybody else says that I am. Who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter said, well, you're, you're Jesus, the son of God, you know, the Messiah. He said, exactly. And now on that rock, I will build my church on that revelation. So what he's saying is, in a sense, if you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, then you've got to accept everything that he had to say because he wasn't just partially right and partially wrong. So everything about Christ and the words that he spoke become the foundation of our lives that we can build upon. So it starts with this strong foundation, which is where we opened up. But today what we're going to dig into is the actual building process, the building forward of our lives. And then next week we'll finish with just endurance and finishing strong so that we can continue to actually have a fullness of energy and strength and for everything it is that we're called to do all the way through the years that God leaves us here on this earth. Amen? So in talking about building, let's go back to that scripture in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, and this is the parable of the wise builder. And I just want to point this out. I know we read this last week, but in verse 24, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rains descended, the floods came and the winds blew and on, on that house and beat on that house 
and it did not fall, for it was founded upon the rock. So here in this verse 24, where he says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. And I liken this, he said, I liken this to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And to me, this is, this is basically the building process, is you hear the sayings of Jesus, but then you do them, right? As we do them, as we obey, and we live our lives according to the words that Jesus spoke, that's, that's kind of the building process that we're moving forward in. Now, I'll submit to you to think about it like this. Every one of us are building something in our lives. We're all building no matter how we look at it. Not just those of us who would say, yes, I want to build a life that is for God. That's what God has called me to do. All of us are building a life in one way, shape, or form. It's just how we're building that could potentially be different. So if we're building according to the words that Jesus commanded us, then we're building, like he's saying, the wise builder. We're listening to the to the scriptures and to the word of God, and then we're walking our lives out according to those things. But, you know, some, some people will build their entire lives. They'll build a reputation. They'll build a career. They'll build their family. They'll build a lot of things, but they may never necessarily build it on the rock according to the word of God. So we're all building in one way or another. It's just a matter of if we are going to hear the word of God and then be obedient and follow through on it in our lives day to day as we do that. Now in Psalm 127, kind of on that point, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And I just think this is huge. It's like, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So it's it's not necessarily that we are doing all of the building. It's that we are allowing God, we're kind of partnering with God in, in our faith, and we're allowing him to be our strength as we move forward and build our lives each and every day. And he's saying, if the Lord's not doing it, then you're laboring in vain. So if we're trying to do everything ourselves, if we're trying to, you know, build our family or build our career or our relationships, if we're trying to do it all on our own, kind of outside of God being with us and leading us and guiding us with his word, then ultimately we're building it and doing it in vain because it's ultimately not going to be built upon solid rock. And whatever it is that we're uh, constructing, if you will, and building up, is not going to be solid and be able to stand the storms and the tests and the trials that life is going to bring our way. Amen? All right, so in the building process, I have seven things that I feel like are very clear that God wants to uh, lead us in, that he speaks to us of how we should be building as we move forward. So we have the foundation which is the rock, which is the revelation of Christ and who he was and everything that he says is truth. And then as we move forward, we have the building and the constructing of our lives in all of these areas that we're called to each and every day. And I want to point out seven things that I feel like are very key to how it is that we would build so that it will stand the test of time, built to last. Number one is that we're not all stressed out. We're not all stressed out. I think about when I was in construction and we were running job sites. Um, 
there's a lot of things going on. I know some people can relate to this. A lot of things happening. You know, you had multiple uh, workers around you. You had steel being set. You had possibly foundations getting poured. You had carpenters working. You had the basins, which was us working. You had all these people around you. And if you were, if you allowed yourself to get very distracted by everything that was going out and it stressed you out and you were kind of like a mess, you were going to have a really hard time staying focused on doing what it was that you needed to do. Can anybody relate to that? Like if you're going to build right, you can't be a, you can't be a stress ball, man all the time. I mean, you got to have it together and you've got to have just kind of like a, a calmness and a confidence about you as you move forward. I'm not saying you don't get your adrenaline going and your passion going. What I'm saying is, is that you're not like distracted by everything that's happening around you. And in our lives, there's a lot of noise that happens around us, a lot of distractions that kind of come our way. And if we are uh, stressed out by those things, it's going to make it hard to stay focused on the specific things that God's calling us to do, right? And listen to this. In Isaiah chapter 26, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So the Lord isn't called us. He, the way that building looks is that we're in perfect peace if we're focused on him while we build. If we're you know, leaning on him and relying on him for that guidance and that direction to be able to construct these various areas in our lives. I, I, I want to know how God wants me to, what kind of father and what kind of husband he wants me to be. That's important, and I need to be mindful of that. And as I'm fixed upon him and my need for him to empower me and strengthen me to do that, there's a peace that sets in because I know it's not me that is doing it. It's him doing it through me. It kind of just takes a lot of that stress and that pressure away that, like, somehow we have to live up to something. Who's just done with that? Like, there's we don't live up to anything, right? I mean, Jesus did it for us. That's the whole point. And so as we're fixed on him as we build, then we're not a bundle. Of, we're not a ball of stress. We can be, you know, focused and calm and just in that place, like he says, of perfect peace where it's like we're moving forward, we're building strong, but yet there's a, a calmness and an inner peace about us all the time. And no matter how much noise is happening around, we're not distracted and thrown off course where there's some, some wall we build or something we are putting up gets all messed up and screwed up because we were too distracted at what was happening around us. So number one is we're not all stressed out. Number two, how we build is we build with honesty. We build with honesty. And, and this is one of those things that you can never, ever, hear me, never compromise on. You just can't compromise on this, even in the smallest little bit. What does Jesus say? He says, uh, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. And I would just say to you also, if you're honest in the little things, then you will be honest in the bigger things that God wants to position you for and place you in in your life for the blessing and the influence that he has prepared for you. And so you can't ever compromise on this. I love it how it says in uh, Proverbs, I'm sorry, uh, Job said, he says, I don't have this scripture in here, but Job said, he said, let me be weighed on honest scales that God may know my integrity. 
Let me be weighed on honest scales. He's saying, listen, I want it to be said no matter what, that I was, I never at any point was dishonest in my dealings with others or with how I went about my business. Even in the smallest and the simplest of things, it may have seemed trivial, it may have seemed like it was no big deal, and to maybe compromise a little bit might have seemingly gave me some kind of an advantage in a situation. Isn't that tempting sometimes? Just this little bit, just slant it, just a little bit, gives you an advantage, it's no big deal, you just move on and forget about it. But that's not what the Bible says. That little thing is a big thing in the eyes of God. We can never compromise when it comes to honesty. And I would also just point out to admit and admit your mistakes when you make them. Also, you know, when we make mistakes and we do something wrong, there, ask for forgiveness, acknowledge it. Don't don't fight this battle of trying to preserve some reputation or something. It never it only complicates and worsens the situation. The more you that's a distraction in itself, getting tangled up in the whole battle of trying to preserve the reputation if you make a mistake acknowledge it admit fault ask for forgiveness and of course from from god and then if potentially you've affected someone else in a relationship ask for forgiveness from them and then move on but be quick to admit, admit your mistakes it's like it's like you just don't get hung up you don't get held back you're just throwing these weights off you that try to attach themselves to you in the moment whenever you do all right so honesty number two number three is work ethic, work ethic. Now, this is an interesting one because when you think about this, you think, well, hard work is good and everything, but is that really something that's important to God? Absolutely it is. Listen to this. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, it says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Oh man, that's good. He even talks about in Proverbs chapter 6, he gives the ant as an example and he talks about even the ant earns his wages and works and understands that he has to gather his food and prepare for for the time where he's going to need it, right? And so God is very much concerned with work ethic. He created us to be hard workers. I believe that. And anything worth doing is what? Worth doing Right. The Bible says in Colossians 3, it says, anything that you're going to do, do it unto the Lord and with all your heart. And, and of course, when it comes to working hard, sometimes there's working smarter, not just harder, right? But I think what, he's get, what I'm getting at here is that we are to be in exerting ourselves and giving God what we have to offer of our strengths, of our talents, and of our abilities. And as we're exerting ourselves, we're kind of like pouring ourselves out, if you will, before the Lord. And he's saying, okay, you give me what you have. You work hard. You do what you can. And then I'll do what you can't do. And I've just found that there's like there's like this tipping point, if, if you will, where you get to the kind of the end of yourself and your own abilities, but you've laid it on the line, you know, you've laid yourself out, and then you just have this faith that God just kind of picks up and takes you the rest of the way there. And that's where some of the biggest breakthroughs happen in the work that we set out to do and the relationships that we set out to build. It's when we exert ourselves and we put ourselves out there and we work hard, but then we trust that God is going to do the part that we can't do ourselves. And then also, 
mention this point too that there there is definitely in our world you know especially in our country uh, I don't want to get political here but there's this there's kind of this um, well you know I deserve mentality type of thing where it's entitlement type of thing and people oh I hit a nerve I'm definitely hitting a nerve okay everybody's with me we all agree at this right okay all right gosh all right that was I was nervous there okay felt like a little anger disruption in the crowd there but no so there's 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 an entitlement mentality that can set in for people where they're they feel like they deserve or they've earned something or that um, they don't want to they don't want to work for the things that obviously God wants to uh, is calling them to to exert themselves and, and to work it and we I believe as a church we uh, the church exists to break that mentality from people that there is not a poverty or an entitlement mentality that we're to live in, but there's an abundance mentality that God has called us to. And as we as we trust in him and we work hard and allow him to do what only he can do and we do what we can, right? Then there's that abundance and that provision that flows into our lives. But the enemy would love to get a hold of people with this sense of entitlement or deserve or, you know, this idea that hard work isn't really something that's profitable or virtuous and then that would begin to decay the things that God is wanting to do in their life and prevent them from really moving forward into the fullness of that blessing agree amen okay all right we made it through that one awesome all right um number four is integrity we're to build with integrity and when I think about integrity I think about you know something that's solid throughout inner and outer and so I think about someone whose life on the outside, the decisions they make, the way they conduct themselves, aligns with the convictions that they claim to hold dear on the inside. So if we confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, then we receive everything that he had to say as truth so then ultimately, as we build our lives, if we build with integrity, the things that we're constructing, our relationships, all of the things in our lives, our career, our families, all of those would align with outwardly what the truth and the word of God says that we've received inwardly. Does that make sense? So to build, to build with integrity, the Bible talks a little bit about it being upright. It talks about a plumb line being straight, right? It means that we're building in a way that is aligned with and is, is, is straight and consistent with what the Word of God says. And I would just say here too, do what you say you're going to do. This is such a big one. I know these are kind of practical things, guys, but this is, this is stuff that I think is really, really important to talk about in the context of this message series. But, you know, do what you say you're going to do. It's amazing to me in, in just some of the business dealings that I'm involved in in the world where I see like so many people say they're going to do something and they don't actually do it. And it's like you really don't, you know how you separate yourself from the crowd? This is one way. Just do what you say you're going to do. And I don't think everybody says they're going to do something and then you know, just intentionally doesn't do it. I think sometimes people just try to commit themselves to things that they maybe can't do 
or they just frivolously use words and say things to try to, you know, make the situation better, but then never really intend to follow through on that thing. So do what you say you're going to do. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Very simple, but profound, right? And so as we, as we look at integrity and how we build and construct our lives, we say that we just simply want to say, do what it is that we say we're going to do. When we make a commitment, we set out, we hold that commitment, we value that. It means something to us, right? I mean, we would rather be held down and beaten rather than go not follow through on something that we told somebody that we were going to do. That's just the way I look at it. I don't know. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. There's a security in operating in integrity, right? There's that security that I have that God is, is with me. He's going to honor me as long as I walk uprightly and I, and I walk with integrity, that there's a security about the things that I'm doing. I know that it's not going to come crumbling down, right? Because I'm built on solid rock and I'm walking with integrity in what I do. And then, you know, there's sometimes when it comes to influence, as far as the influence we have in relationships and everything like that. It could take years of walking in integrity to establish that with people. Sometimes it can take years, but you know, it only takes one bad decision, one action that totally lacks integrity to just tear that whole thing down that potentially took years and years to establish. And we want to have influence. We want to be able to, you know, share the things that God has spoken in a way that it impacts and affects the world around us. And so whenever we move forward in our lives, it's critical that we have integrity in our dealings with people so that whenever we are, are in a position where we have the ability to influence and affect them, that integrity is in place and it's preserved there. And, and, the, the words that we have to say will be received and will be heard when the timing is right. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. So integrity is, is like a guide to the way we make decisions and the way we move forward. And then the last thing I was going to say about this is don't, don't cut corners. Don't try to take shortcuts on things that, you know, there's a season or an amount of time that God would allow you to build and to get that thing right with before we move on. I remember when we built our first house, our second house, that, uh, you know, I went around and kind of looked and was looking for the nails, Jeremy, you know, like that are standing up and go around and kind of hammer the nails down so that you don't have these nails sticking up because then, over time, as the nails are weak, you can hear this creaking, you know, it's like when you walk on it. So we go around and hammer the nails down and get them all um, secure and stuff. Well, there, you can't find them all. So what happens? Surely uh, over time, that is the, as you move around, the, the weak areas that corners were cut on or that weren't done properly the first time, they begin to show themselves out eventually. You'll be walking all of a sudden, it's creaking, you know, you're like, oh, that wasn't done right the first time. And so if it wasn't done right now, all of a sudden you start to notice it 
later on. It's like that in our lives. If we try to cut corners and do things, you know, without finishing them in in their entirety or doing them the right way, ultimately there's going to be creaks that we start to kind of hear in our lives. And I don't know about you, but it always seems to happen at the most inconvenient time for me. Like in the middle of the night, when I would get up to try to go to the restroom, and I'd be walking around, all the kids are sleeping, and then all, all the kids wake up and they're screaming and everything, right? And so, sure, sure enough, it's like the, the things that we would cut corners on not only reveal themselves out in time, but they, they will show themselves at some of the most inconvenient times. And we're always going to look back and say, ah, oh, I should have just did that right the first time, right? So don't, don't cut corners. And then number six, or number five, is love. To always build with love. It's kind of like, does anybody have a grandma who just cooks amazing? Or a mom who just cooks amazing? Yeah, yeah, Bryce, you do, I hear. So what is it about grandma's cooking that just seems to be so different? I mean, you can follow the, am I right? You can follow the recipe to a T, do everything exactly the way you're supposed to. It just never tastes the same. I don't know if grandma just holds a little something back on us and doesn't tell us uh, or, or what. But, you know, something about when, when grandma cooks, it's like there's love that goes into it, isn't there? It's, it's that they're, they're doing it to serve someone else, not to serve self. They're thinking about the pleasure and the joy that others are going to get when they eat that meal, and that love that's going into it, there's just something different about the way they invest themselves in it. And as we build in our lives, guys, you know, Scripture's very clear. It's not about us. I mean, it's not just about us. We're going to be blessed along the way, but if we live to serve self and not live with love in serving others around us, there's an element there that'll be missing. And so if we look and we say, you know, everything I'm doing, I want to do with love. I want to be, I want to do things in a way where I'm putting others above myself and how others are being affected by the things that I'm doing. When that love is put into it, there's, there's an element of strength and an element of impact that comes out of what we build that might not otherwise be there. The Bible says love never fails, right? So as we build with love, we know that whatever it is that we're constructing is ultimately going to be solid, is going to be strong, and it's going to be upright, and it's going to be uh, health and, and prosperous to those around us. And you do the, and, and, and doing things with love, it's doing things without an expectation of something in return for it. You know, we always hear that, that phrase, and you know, just kind of, drives me nuts my hair it's like you scratch my back and i'll scratch yours isn't that weird you, you scratch my katie does it she's like here you, you know you massage my back and then i'll do yours and i do it for like 30 minutes and then i get like five minutes after that no but whatever i mean how about the how about we change that to just be like i'll scratch your back period end of statement right what It's doing things without an ex, that love is, you know, you're doing things for others without an expectation of anything in return. And in many cases, that's really where the blessing is, isn't it? It's not from what you get back from someone else. That's, that's, that's nothing compared to that benefit and that blessing that we get when God gives us the blessing 
amen, of, of blessing us for doing something for someone else without expecting anything in return. The Bible talks about not letting your left hand see what your right hand is doing. And in many things, we, with love, we will do things for other people, guys, that will never be acknowledged openly. And that's okay. Because that's where the real blessing comes from, from God. The Bible says if, if you have to be rewarded by men, then that kind of robs you of the blessing of God, right? So if we, were to, if we live with love in a way where we just, we're not expecting anything in return for it, and then, and then possibly it isn't even acknowledged, we can know based on the word of God and truth that God will be the one who blesses us and rewards us for that. And it's a much greater reward than if we receive one from man. Amen? And then, so that's love. And then the last one is wisdom is to, to build with wisdom. And when I think about wisdom, I think about it's, it's having a knowledge and an understanding and awareness about things beyond just the, the task at hand or the thing that you're building now. It's being in tune with things like your surroundings and how things are, how things are affecting other people in your lives. The Bible talks about in Proverbs about how wisdom is to be sought after and desired more than precious rubies, more than gold, and more than silver. And as we build, to be to build with wisdom, which is it's a knowledge that comes from God that we don't acquire through intellectual learning. It's like God is enlightening and opening up our eyes and our minds to the way that He sees. And, and thinks about things and sees them in our lives. And as we build to, to have wisdom, to desire wisdom, so that when we do, we're constructing things according to that wisdom of God is going to allow us to, to, to build beyond what we could ever build in our own natural abilities. Amen. Listen to this in Proverbs chapter 8. Verses, uh, starting in verse 22, he's talking about wisdom here. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. So this is like wisdom kind of speaking in the first person here. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman. I was beside him as a master craftsman. Wisdom, God employed wisdom to build the earth, to form the depths of the earth and all that we see in it. 
And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think, wow, if God used wisdom when he built the earth, I definitely need to have wisdom when I'm building the things in my life that I'm called to build. My family, my relationships, my ministry, my career, whatever it may be, that we have a need, a dependency upon the wisdom of God to be able to build in a way that is above and beyond what we're capable of in our own natural and earthly abilities. And as we build with wisdom, one of the things that we will, we will definitely learn is that we must surround ourselves with great quality people who can help make us better. The Bible's clear about this. I mean, this, you know, God made us as people who need community who were members of a body. And so we all, we need each other. Iron sharpens iron. And so, you know, in, in the business world, a lot of times, you know, people will surround themselves with experts in an area that they want to be good at because they know that it's going to make them better than they can, than they can possibly be on their own. And so there's a value and a significance in us recognizing this as we say, we want to build a life for God. We want to build in a way where we can say at the end, like Paul said, I've finished the race strong. Then in order to, to get to that place day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, that we have to be surrounded with people who have truth in them. Who, who live by the word of God also, that they may be able to strengthen us and help us and make us better than we would be if we tried to walk this thing out on our own, separated from the body of Christ and from other people who carry that truth with them. Amen? Amen. And then, actually, I have a seventh one. I'm sorry, that wasn't the last one. The seventh one is purpose. We build with purpose. And, you know, this is... Building with the end in mind, knowing that we're going to, we're all, guys, we're all going to stand before Jesus one day. Do you know that? I mean, we, we come and we worship on Sundays and we're building our lives. But the fact is, every one of us at some point, different times, of course, in this life, are going to stand before Jesus one day. And at that point, our lives are going to be open and examined before him. And if we have the, that purpose of the way we live is saying, you know, I'm living with the ultimate highest call and purpose is because I'm going to stand before Jesus one day and my whole life is going to be opened up and I'm going to be accountable for all the things there that I did, right? That when we live with that end goal, that purpose in mind, that it drives the things we do on a daily basis, day in and day out. And there's a big difference and being consumed with busy work and purposeful work. How many people know we can get so caught up in just being busy for the sake of being busy? Isn't it true? Like, I mean, you find yourself just finding things to do because you feel like you've got to be busy. It's, it's kind of starting to become a mindset almost in our culture nowadays, right? And I'm just as guilty as the next person with it, I know. But there's a big difference and being occupied with busy work and being occupied with purposeful work. And I would just charge you that in all the things that you set out to do, man, if you're going to do them, do them with purpose in mind. 
Do them as you're, you're, you're doing them unto the Lord, and they're not just frivolous tasks to fill space and to fill time in your life or to get some result that's really not of any heavenly value. And anything that we're called to do by God, it has purpose. It's just that as we're living each day and building the things in our lives that we're building, if we're mindful of the fact that we're doing it to God, we're living with a purpose that is far greater, more empowering, and more impactful to us in the way we go about things than if we're just doing it for the sake of being busy. Stand to your feet with me today and I just want to just ask us to all just kind of ask ourselves to just let the Lord examine, you know, the quality of what we're building. Let him speak to us about just all the different areas in our lives. You know, how, how is your, how's your family doing? How's your career doing? How are your relationships doing? How are things going for you guys right now? You know, and, and let the Lord just kind of examine. Sometimes it's, 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 it's hard, but it's the best thing to just kind of allow yourself to be open before God and allow him, you know, when you're building a, a project on a construction site, the inspector has to come in every now and then and kind of examine things, right? Make sure everything's up to code. It can be a real headache sometimes. It's not very, it can be painful because you might have to change a few things. You might even have to tear a few things down and start over. It's tough to do. But, it, you know, David said, he said, Lord, examine my heart. And he understood something. He understood that if he was going to really build his life in a way that was honoring to God and that was achieving his purpose, he was going to have to allow the Lord to examine him on a consistent and regular basis so that he could approve of or confirm the things that were being built properly. But he could also charge him to change or, or make a shift in the things that he was possibly doing improperly. Are you with me? And I just encourage you, let's just pray together and allow the Lord to do that. Just say, God, you know, in this time, in this week ahead, as we're kind of going through this message series, just examine me. You place yourself on the altar. You allow yourself to be open, and then God will do the examining. He will speak to you, and he will convict your heart. I've never come to God with an open heart and said, God, help me know what I'm, help me, examine me, and him not speak to me firmly, but in a loving way, in an area where I needed to change. And then to know that in order to make the changes that were necessary, I needed, I was dependent upon him to see it.